Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to A Moment with the Colonel. We gather tonight at a dramatic and deeply promising time in our history. The world has known changes of biblical proportions. Biblical proportions. That the call of Christ is not just to be informed, but do something about it. Giving them instruction, laying it all out. He spent years fighting the opposition as a Green Beret in the Special Forces. Now he's fighting for you. He stands on Matthew 28 to teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He's a teacher. He's an evangelist. He tackles real-world issues with a biblical perspective. He'll pray with you. He'll answer your tough questions. Coming to you live from the Prophet's Quarter Studio, here is The Colonel. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to A Moment with the Colonel. Today is March 10th, 2019. The year is racing by. Hard to believe that it's already March. Well, this is the online church of com, and sign up for our newsletter to keep informed about what our ministry is doing. Before we start, I want to thank Sister Diana, who is simulcasting this program on Witness Project via Mexler. We greet all of those at Witness Project, as well as all of our faithful listeners on the many platforms carrying this broadcast. So thank you very much for joining us. Our School of Authority Evangelism at Sea Time Harvest Ministries is a three-day training course designed to teach the body of Christ to operate effectively within the Great Commission. Now, this training program is for those who want to capture the great responsibility of the Great Commission and train others in the body of Christ to fulfill the same purpose. Authority Evangelism is training for those who want to do what Jesus did in the kingdom of God with signs and wonders following. Now, if you would like to have us bring this training to your church, organization, or place of business, just contact us at seedtimeharvest.com. Now, shortly, the pastor, Pastor Colonel, will be uh, giving out the phone number so that you can call in for prayer. So, without further ado, here is Pastor Colonel. Good evening, everyone. Just bear with me. I'm trying to click on a few things to go live streaming here. There we go. We got it going. Welcome, everyone. It is I, Pastor Colonel from Seed Time Harvest Ministries. And please go to seedtimeharvest.net, not .com, but .net. And that's our website. And download the free training manual. It's free. I talk to people all the time and you know, ministering to them, and they still don't download the, the training manual. And I just say, do you want to do the works that Jesus did? Do you want to? I do. I believe if, you're, if you love Jesus and you're in love with God, 
that you want to do the things in the kingdom of God. Download this manual. Read it. It's only about 32, 33 pages. We have it in multiple languages. Download it and just read through it and try it out. Just try it. You'll spend money buying motivational books, trying to be a great leader, trying to, to motivate a sales team, trying to get smarter, to, to work with people better, to improve your exercise routine and your diet routine, and you'll pay money for these things, but we have something free that can help you spiritually and to, to help grow the kingdom of God. Just download it. It's free. Please do. Well, we welcome everyone. I do have an announcement. Uh, we're going to take two weeks off here in where I live. We have spring break. So next Sunday and the following Sunday, I will not be streaming live. We may be doing Thursday night prayer. So just stay tuned for that. Uh, I think I should be able to do that. But we'll be back on March 31st. Okay, March 31st and will be our next broadcast. So I just want to let everyone know. So if you're looking for us, that's where that's when we'll be back. Now, um, I know if other people want to do something in my absence, they're more than welcome to do that. I know we have people like Sam and some others that may want to fill in, and they're more than welcome to do that. Well, man, isn't it a great day? You know, it's like I think we're seeing spring come around. We've had here in Middle Tennessee just downpouring rain for multiple days. And today was a beautiful, sunshiny day in the Jeep. We just rolled down the windows, opened up the back, and, you know, drove around and just enjoyed the day. And so were a lot of other people. It was a good day to be outside, and it's also a good day to get in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, we have a really powerful message tonight. It's called The Power Arrives. Power Arrives arrives and it i think it defines those people who will do well in the end days if you don't have any power to fight off satan if you don't have power to grow the kingdom of god uh, you're going to be easy target for satan because you have no power you have no authority you're not operating in authority and power that's why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And let's talk about that. The day of Pentecost is similar. I'm not going to say is a day of Jubilee, but it's, it's a type of shadow of a day of Jubilee. Did you know that? There's 50 days after Passover. I think last time I said 40 days, but I, was, I just, just made a slip. But it's 50 days. The, the word Pentecost comes from the word penta, which is like five. Okay, so we'll talk more about that in just a minute. The followers of Jesus who believe Jesus was the Messiah and Son of God. These are the ones who were filled with the Holy Ghost with power and fire. Now, the Holy Ghost can only be received once someone or a person believes Jesus is the Son of God and receives the Holy Spirit unto salvation. Now, let me make this very clear. When you accept Jesus Christ and you believe he is the son of God and you repent of your sins and you believe by faith, you receive the Holy Spirit unto salvation because you believe. The same spirit that I call the Holy Ghost. 
Now, I use the Holy Ghost because, it's, first of all, it's used in the, in the King James Version. Most of the translations come from the King James Version, okay? They, they, they tr- retranslate the words from the King James. So the Holy Spirit, yes, that's real. That's, that does. And the Holy Ghost, it's one and the same. However, think of it like this. The Holy Spirit is what you receive up to salvation. The Holy Ghost is when you get baptized with power in fire. There are many Christians today who have no power, do they not? And they're definitely not on fire for God. Now, they may live, be living a good life. They may be living a righteous life. They, they, they may be really good people and so forth and so on. But where's the power? There are many pastors, and I've been to these pastors. I've seen them. They have no power. They have intellectual knowledge of this Bible right here. They, they, they understand it as per intellectually and knowledge-wise in conceptions and you know, conceiving ideas and processing that and formulating conclusions. But that's great and wonderful with your intellect. But that goes nowhere if you have no power. And I say this all the time. How many churches I go to where there's no salvations occurring? And they're definitely not being filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with power and fire. No anointing. Amen? And it's time that the body of Christ receives that anointing. The power and fire is like an anointing. It's one and the same as far as I'm concerned. If you have the Holy Ghost being baptized with power and fire, you have an anointing. You may not be anointed to preach. You may not even be anointed to prophesy. But you have an anointing to operate in your respective anointing. I'm not talking about gifting. I'm talking about anointing, where there's fruitful effects from your efforts in which the Spirit leads you. Amen? Now, my question to you, if, are you tired of being powerless? Do you want the fire in your bones, as Jeremiah states. We're going to cover that in just a minute. So you can receive the Holy Ghost with power and fire once you, you know, believe Jesus is the Son of God and receive the Holy Spirit unto salvation. You can receive it. But ministry should not begin until one receives the Holy Ghost, just as Jesus did, and just like, you know, after he was baptized in water, signifying the anointing. Okay? So when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Ghost came out of heaven from God and rested upon him, did it not? He began his ministry at that point. The disciples did not start the ministry until they received the baptism by power and fire, by the Holy Ghost. Okay? It's very important we understand. There's people working in ministry to have no anointing. And it's okay to have the gift of administration, and it's okay to have certain functions within the body, but you want to have the power to kind of solidify and to sear and to, and to make you complete in your operations in ministry. Okay. This signifies, what Jesus did signifies the 
the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the oil, if you will, of God being poured over him. Now, he did it in water, which brings the power. It's this Holy Ghost that brings the power which Jesus operated in under his ministry, just as the disciples operated under because they were with him. They had some of his anointing. Isn't that something? Because I've been around men of God and seen them operating under anointing, and some of that anointing seems to spill over a little bit. If you hang around a prophet a little long, you know, any time, you're going to be able to prophesy a little bit. You're going to be able to do it because that anointing seems to, it, it overflows. It's just not contained. It, it spills over and some gets on you. Isn't that true? Amen. Just as Jesus, you know, he, he waited till he got that power, that Holy Ghost from God. The disciples also waited for that baptism of the Holy Ghost before they started their ministry. Jesus had – now, let me, let me clarify this. This is why it's different. Jesus had already breathed the Holy Spirit unto salvation on them prior to the day of Pentecost. That's scriptural. That happened in the book of John. When they were waiting, they were kind of hiding because they were afraid of the Jews – and Jesus began starting appearing after his resurrection to his disciples and many other peoples, about 500 people he appeared to. And he was talking this one last time, and he breathed the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, unto them. So they did have the Spirit of God because they believed unto salvation, for the salvation. They were saved. But they didn't get the power until Pentecost. And that's what we're going to talk about. Let's just open up in prayer. Father, I just thank you. I glorify you. I just honor you tonight, Lord. And I ask for an anointing tonight to deliver this word so that people can come to an understanding of who you are and come out of doctrinal bondage. And, Lord, that you would deliver them so that they may receive this Holy Ghost, that they may come to a, a, a desiring place in their walk with you, that they want more than, than salvation, more than than what their understanding can understand. That, Lord, that you would begin bring this fire so that you have disciples throughout this world by the power shut up in their bones, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost coming upon them to giving them the power and fire to operate with such great authority and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 1. Some of you may be on, are online, and we just welcome everyone. Let me just real quickly see what's going on here. Okay, I have not gone to Facebook and started that yet because I started the streaming before I did that. So I, I may take me a minute to get that going. I don't have time to fool around with it. But, but welcome those who are joining us on Facebook. I know there's some there. And also on Witness Project, I think I do have that. I think I refreshed it, and um, wow, caught a few people there. So hello, everyone on Witness Project. Uh, glad to have you with us tonight, and thank you for hanging out with me. Um, uh, Mark and Danny and R Rowdy and Greg, I, I, I think that's the same Greg from Australia. So welcome. And, and I don't know who this 67 person is, but welcome. And Claudia, it's nice to have you as well. God bless you all. Uh, it's good to have our church family with us that we always have. And don't forget, now here's the thing. 
Uh, you can call in any time. The, the number is on the screen. So we encourage you to watch the video. But it's 602-753-1977. But if you'll press 1, we'll know you want to talk. If you just want to listen, that's fine, too. You can listen on the phone or however you're going to connect, okay? Uh, we can talk at any time. But uh, if we're going to just continue forward until we finish or find a good place to stop, and then we can start taking calls at that time. All right, praise God. So verse 1, Acts chapter 2. Here we go. Hang on. Hang on, because this is going to be uh, some, I think it's going to be good. Anyway, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Basically, they were all in agreement to do something together. Isn't that something? Can you imagine having about 120 people come in agreement for one thing and not debating it and discussing it? They just said, let's do this because Jesus said this. He said to go wait. So let's just wait for this thing from God. God Jesus promised us this thing from God that's, going to, that's coming from God, and we, we want it. So let's just wait. And, and so I don't know how many days had gone by since Jesus ascended to heaven before that point, and when he told the disciples to wait, uh, I thought maybe he was being seen around 40 days, and so they had maybe another 10 days to wait for the day of Pentecost to come. But we really don't know. Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. Okay. Pentecost comes from the word penta, meaning five, like the Pentagon. We know of the Pentagon building where all our military leadership is and all those things occur. Pentecost is like a type of jubilee, like a favor from God. Think of it like that, because it, it comes around that 50 mark, like a jubilee. 50. The Passover was the atonement of sins. Right? The Passover is when our sins are forgiven, but there's something glorious that happens on the day of Pentecost, the day of atonement. There's something wonderful. So in the Bible, the year of Jubilee occurs after seven sets of seven years of individual, of, of seven-year um, seven intervals, approximately 49, are, 49 years are completed. The 50th or the liberty year is proclaimed uh, on one of God's annual feasts. So this is the annual feast known as the Day of Atonement because God owns everything. So this is the mindset because God, he, it's, everything's his. I think everyone has heard that. Well, it's God's anyway. It's God's. We might as well give it away because it's God and we just trust him to you know, cover us in that absence of whatever we give away. It's known as the Day of Atonement. Okay, that feast day, because God owns everything. He set up a special, he set up this thing, specialty, this special thing to occur every time on this calendar year that, that he set up. It was a, a, a process. It was a, a thing that occurred regularly, continuously, every 50 years. And it's when man's possessions would be returned to him. So, for example... If you were in debt, you were forgiven. If you were in jail, you were released. If you had uh, land taken from you or land being seized or whatever, it was returned. And, and also, there was no labor, no working in the fields. The land even rested during that jubilee. And I like to think of it like this, that Jesus became our Sabbath. He became our rest. 
He became our Pentecost. He became our atonement, feast of a celebration for, for the forgiveness of our sins. It was returned to us. Life was returned to us. Life was given to us in the spirit. We came out of bondage. We were set free when we came to Christ Jesus. We were free from sin and death and came into life because Jesus is the light in the life unto men. This is why I think it's so apropos or so uh, perfect for uh, a reference to Jubilee. You see how I, I came up with this, and, and this is just a type and shadow. I'm not saying it's the Jubilee, but it's, it, it's a modern-day fulfillment of the Jubilee, the Pentecostal day of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? Um, before Jesus started his public ministry, he quoted a section of Scripture related to the Jubilee. Now, it's believed it was referencing the Jubilee. He stated, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for this reason. He, that's God, God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. See, Jesus didn't start preaching until he received that Holy Ghost, that anointing. And then he continues to send forth deliverance through those who have been crushed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of God is like a jubilee. Jesus was quoting from Isaiah 61, uh, verses 1 and 2, when he referenced the acceptable day of the Lord. It's just a, it's just a synonym. It's just a, an example, type and shadow of a jubilee year. Amen. Verse 2, and all of a sudden, there came a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven. A sound. A heavenly sound. Something coming from heaven that we could hear. That resembled a, like a sounds of a rushing mighty wind. Now, those who have been around Tornadoes and hurricanes know that sound, in my opinion. There may be other places where you can hear the wind and, and feel the wind, but it's the only way they can describe it was like a wind. Uh, and, um, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting or where they had gathered together. Now, I want to point something out. The Holy Spirit is referenced in, in, in two analogies. One is by water, and the other is by wind. When you hear things from the Old Testament or, or things in the Scripture referring to water, it usually has a spiritual meaning to the Holy Ghost. Okay? And same with the wind. And let me just give you an example. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit. Now, that water, I researched that when we were teaching from the book of John. That really refers to the blood. When Jesus was on the cross, he did shed his blood. But when they pierced his side, what else came out? Water spewed out of him, and it sprayed. It, I, it just spewed and sprayed all over the people standing there, all over the guards, all over the people. So, you know, you're baptized in blood and water. That's 
the water and the blood also is part of our uh, atonement, part of our uh, being born again by the covered by the blood, covered by the blood and water, if you will, and the spirit. So I say, unless you are born of the blood, so being born again by the blood of Jesus and the spirit, the spirit coming inside of you, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Can't come in. You got to be born of the water, not by baptism. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you got to be baptized to get to heaven. There's some denominations that believe that, that you can't get to heaven unless you're baptized. And that what happened to the thief on the cross? Today you'll be with me in paradise, right? It's not required for salvation. However, it's a very symbolic thing, okay, that you have died. So let's talk about that real quick. You, the water baptism, you have died to self. You have died to sin. You, you buried your old man. You buried yourself in the things of your past. You covered up. You buried it deep. And you were raised, resurrected in water, covered, saturated by the Holy Ghost, and come up being symbolizing you were, you were birthed by the Spirit. Born, that's why we come with this, the expression born again. And Jesus uses that word, unless you're born again. That spirit, your flesh, now your flesh is, is remaining the same. But it's the inner person, the, the spirit in which radiates the light of God. And that can actually change your own uh, appearance, by the way. There's people, their appearance will change by their demonics. Their, their face and their body shapes and everything can, can take on some form of the demons that are in them. And, and then when you're born again, you can take on the likeness of the light of God in you. Your physical body can actually change. I've seen that happen both ways. I've seen both. I've seen people demonically possessed and freed, and then the enlightenment comes forth from their face. And you can see, like, the, the heaviness lifted and everything. Okay? Let's continue here. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, he, that means you, cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. So, you know, this is flesh. Our body is flesh. So what I said, your body is not born again. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Your spirit is spirit. Your spirit is what is Born again. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Don't like try to really focus on that. You know, don't worry about the the legalism and the religion behind that. Okay, there's no need to worry about that. It's not. Don't make it a religious thing. Don't. I think that's why he said that. You know, don't get don't get stuck in that with your mind. But the wind blows where it wishes, does it not? The wind comes and goes. Sometimes it's blowing really hard. Sometimes it's not blowing at all. But basically the wind does what it wants to. You cannot control the wind. No matter how hard you try, there's no way you can control the wind. unless you, Now, I know in some cities they have buildings. And because of the wind, the wind gets funneled into a, a, like a vortex. And within that vortex, the, the velocity of that wind increases greatly. 
and even build and sway as a result of it. And then it comes out the other end. And sometimes buildings have to be structured to where the wind can flow through and around because the wind can actually damage the structure of the building, put so much stress over time, it could hurt it. Well, anyway, you can control it like that, but that's not really controlling the wind. You can't make it start and stop, right? It's still going to come in any direction it desires, okay? So the wind blows where it wishes. This is Jesus speaking. And you're... And you hear the sound of it. So you hear, hear it because you hear the trees. Around here, we sit on our deck and the wind blows the trees. And this is no joke. It sounds like the ocean. The wind blows in the treetops and it sounds like ocean waves. It's incredible. I love it here. I love it where I live. And we sit out there and we just listen to the, the wind blowing the trees. And you hear the, 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 it just sounds like waves of the ocean. It's really amazing. But guess what? You cannot tell where it comes from. You know where it came from and where it goes. Can you not? You know it's going in that direction. It's coming from this direction and going in that direction, but where did it start and where is it going to end? You don't know that. I don't think anybody has the ability to tell you that unless it's some very sophisticated mathematical you know, uh, weather device out there or something. But you and I can't do it. Just say, oh, it's going to start here and end there. There's no way. But God knows. Now, check this out. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So you see there's reference to the wind referring to the Spirit of God. And just, just like there's water. And I'm not going to, it's not a lesson on the anointing. It's not a lesson on the, really on the Spirit of God. But I just wanted you to hear this. The question is, I'm looking forward. I believe this is true today. I know there's people who travel in the spirit, and I know people who have been, they call the word translated or, or transposed or, or sent, tele, well, not telepathically, but they're, they're sent in the spirit, and they show up at another location to do ministry, and they come back. I know people who have done that. And I know people who have traveled in the spirit. I have traveled in the spirit into the second heaven. That's as far as I've ever been. And John traveled into heaven in the spirit. You know, in the spirit, I don't know if it was my, my body or my spirit, but I somehow got there. But my body remained here on earth. But somehow I got there. Right? That does happen today. And at the end days, this is what's going to happen. Those who are born of the spirit will be like the wind. They will come and go. And guess what? The evil one will not be able to tell where you come from and where you're going to end up. They will not be able to chase you down unless you're born of the Spirit. Amen? Let's look at John 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, He breathed. He blew on them. Receive the Holy Ghost. And this would be the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to use the Holy Ghost to refer to the power component and the Holy Spirit to reference to salvation. So we know the difference, okay? They're the same spirit. They're not two different, but there's two different functions. One is into salvation. The other is into power and, and authority and those kind of things. If you, give, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven everyone else. So if you forgive them, then, then everyone's, you know, forgiven. You're, you're able to 
move on. If you retain sin of any, if you keep, if you harbor sin against someone that's like uh, bitterness, iniquities, you know, bitterness, anger, hatred, they will retain unto you. And basically, you're he's saying you cannot. You cannot keep this spirit if you're going to be like that. you got to get over the Jews, and you have to get over the Romans killing me and move on. That's what's happening. That's what Jesus said, and he had already ascended at this time. You think they were angry at the Jews for what they did? You think maybe they were angry with one another for running away and leaving Jesus on his own? And blaming one another that something maybe they could have done something to prevent this. You think that they had something against the leadership and the government and the Romans or the Roman soldiers? I say they may not have been Romans, but they were soldiers. They were probably Roman citizens or conscripted from other territories. Anyway, they were soldiers who carried out the orders of the of the leaders. I think they were somewhat angry and bitter and harnessing some some kind of uh, resentment toward those people. And I think this is why the Lord told them this. He wanted them to be filled with the Spirit and not with the bitterness and anger. But if you, if you continue, you know, in this bitterness, then it's going to stay in you unless you can get it out of you, right? If you forgive them, you'll be forgiven too of your sins and the things that you've done. So that's very important. We see that when we believe and forgive people of their transgressions against us and one another, we receive the Holy Ghost because of the heart transformation. It takes a lot to get that out of our hearts. You know, even I struggle with it sometimes. I see how one group of people are treating another group of people, and it gets to me. But I can't let that, that frustration, that bitterness, that anger, hatred, uh, prejudice, the, you know, whatever the things that, that, that separate, I can't let that interfere with my spirit. I've got to like release it. I've got to let it go. I can't do that. You've got to take that thought captive. Take that thought captive. You keep getting it captive and keep captive. It's going to also clear your heart. You've got to get out of your heart. You've got to pray for them. If you want to start getting healed in your heart as a result of this, start praying for those people or whoever it is that you hold something against. Just start praying for them daily if you can. Okay? So it's very important that we get this. We're being baptized in the Holy Ghost gives us the power to do great works for the kingdom of God. It's a difference. We can have the Holy Spirit unto salvation because we believe, but there are some conditions. You can lose your salvation if you don't forgive. You're not going to, it's going to be retained to you. Your unforgiveness is going to be retained to you. You can't. God's not going to answer your prayers and hear your prayers unless you forgive people. 
why waste your time praying if you can't forgive people? Because God's not going to if you if you've been if the Holy Spirit has come into you, okay, based on your faith, and you cannot forgive, forget your prayers being answered. That's another reason why we see no power happening in the body of Christ, universe of Christianity. There's only smaller groups that we see these kind of things happening. And you, guess what? You cannot receive the Holy Ghost. Now, you can receive the Holy Spirit into salvation, like I was talking about, but the power of it cannot really be manifested until those things happen. I think this is why Jesus breathed it, the Holy Spirit into salvation into them, and he gave them instructions. You've got to forgive now. You've got to get this worked out in your heart because there's something bigger and better coming on the other side in just a few more days from God, a gift from God. He was preparing them, preparing them. Let's look at verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and sat upon each of them. So here they are, this rushing mighty wind came coming in to them, and then all of a sudden this flame flickering on top of their head, they said like a, like a forked tongue or something. I believe that fire represented both the Father and the Son resting upon them, the Spirit of God. The thing that brings the Father and Son to us is the Holy Spirit. Right? As a fire of one sat upon them. Here's that fire. The fire. Let's look at Leviticus 9.22. I want to, let's look at an example of the Old Testament of the fire. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people blessed and blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering and burnt offering and peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting. So this is the tabernacle of meeting. This is the place in which God's presence dwelled with the Ark of Covenant, and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Whoa! The glory of the Lord. Now, I don't know if this glory represents Jesus. I believe Jesus is the glory of God. But there is this, also this cloud of glory that, that is represented as well. There's a cloud that, that sometimes appears when Jesus ascends or descends from heaven. There is this cloud that hovered over the mountain uh, that was full of glory. Uh, so, you know, I don't really know what it was, but let's just say it was this, this great manifestation of, of a cloud of sort. But I believed it probably like Christ, representing Christ. Okay, so then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Wow. They didn't see God, but they saw his glory. Because you can't see God. No man can see God and live. But if, if the Son of God wills it, he will let you. Okay. But it can only happen unless the, the Son of God wills you to see the Son of God, or see God. Son of Man has to allow that. And fire came out from before God and consumed the burnt offering on the altar. So this is what a good example. This is why I say that the glory represents Jesus Christ. Jesus consumed our sins. Did he not? He atoned the sins. When this cloud appeared, 
this glory cloud, fire came from it, shot out. I don't know if it came from, you know, what direction, but the, regardless, the fire went out and consumed the offerings up on the altar. Consumed the burnt offerings. And that's what Jesus did. He burned up your sins. When you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God uh, and believe that by faith and live that way and repent of your sins, when you repent, when you believe, so you believe, and then when you repent, I'm sorry, Lord, then he comes and consumes it in the spirit with fire. That's what happens. And it's consumed, and it doesn't exist anymore. It's forgotten. He can never, God can never recall it if it's been consumed by the fire, fire. Or you can say covered by the blood of the lamb. The blood is an also type of shadow of the fire that consumed the offering, the burnt offering, the things on the altar. Amen? We place it, we place our sins, which represents our sins, we put it up there. Jesus became the curse upon the tree, according to Galatians 3.13. So I, I hope you put, can put this in perspective. He became the curse. So he, he, that, that meat that's laying there, that flesh that's there, he became that curse. But guess what? The fire of God came down and consumed it. It's covered by the blood. It's covered by the fire. Amen. But guess what? When the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. I would guess so, and I'm surprised that's the only thing they did. I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people didn't wet themselves or something, because the fear of God is real. So the best thing they could do was hide their faces from this glory because of its magnitude being so great and full of the presence of God. They can't even bear to look at it because they would die. No man can see God and live unless the Son of God wills it. By the way, are you praying that if it's the Son of God, Lord, if it's your will, may I see the Father? Lord, if it's your will, I would love to see the Father. Pray it. It's Scripture. You can see God. The Lord, if Jesus allows it, why not ask him? Lord, let's just say it together. Lord, if it's your will, may I see the Father, if it's your will. Is there any reason why it, it's not your will? You know, just ask him. Lord, I plead with you. Let it be your will that I can see the Father. Because if you see God, are part of God, get ready. Your life will be completely changed. You'll never be the same individual you were. There's no way to come in that kind of presence of God and not be changed inside out and possibly outside too. Your hair may change colors. Your skin may, may change too. It may actually look more alive. There's a lot of things that could happen, possibly happen. But when you, if you're praying that, be prepared to give your life for God. Be prepared. 
So be careful what you pray for. You might get it and everything that goes with it. I'm just letting you know. When there is true repentance and forgiveness, one can receive the righteous, righteous fire of God. You can. You can receive this power. Okay? You can receive this power, this righteousness, this, this fire. Let's look at Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, this is Jeremiah speaking, I will not make mention of God. Basically, he uses the word him. I will not make mentions of him. But I will not make mention of God, nor speak any more of God's name. But, but his word, who's the word? Jesus Christ is the word of God, was in my heart. Whoa. Was in his heart. Like a burning fire, a burning fire, shut up in his bones, consumed in his bones. It was in his DNA, if you will. That's the new term now we hear saying all the time. It's in his bone marrow. The bone marrow is what fights off diseases, by the way. It produces those blood cells, those uh, that white blood cells, red blood cells, whatever it is. It produces the, the things that, that fight off Diseases, it was shut up inside his bone. That's where your bone marrow is. It was inside of him. And guess what? He said, I was weary of holding it back. I got so tired of resisting him. I got so tired of holding it inside of me. But I could not hold it back because he was inside of me. I believe Jeremiah had the Holy Ghost. Because he had the fire <laughs> inside his heart. This is his language explaining it the best he could under that time and circumstances. Let's look at Revelations 4, 5. And from the throne preceding lightning. So here's John. He went up to heaven in the spirit. And he sees God's throne. And in the throne, there's, there's, there's these lightnings coming out all over the place. And thunderings, just rattling, you know, just imagine those who've heard, you know, fireworks, the, the explosions and been around artillery. Artillery sounds a lot like big fireworks, boom, you know, or the explosion. Sometimes it sounds like that. And, and imagine the thunderings that were crackling and roaring and the lightnings coming out. That's the glory of God in one place. Voices. Oh, my goodness. So there was lightning, thundering, and voices coming from the throne of God. Voices. I don't know if he understood the language, but he heard voices from the throne of God, the throne. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. Seven lamps. You know, there's seven churches, there's seven lamps, there's seven bowls, there's seven seals, all these are very significant, and I'm not going to talk about them, teach about them today, but I'm going to show you something real quick. So these seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are, they are the seven spirits of God. God has seven spirits. Did you know that? He has seven spirits. And you say, 
how do you know that, Pastor? Well, it's in Isaiah chapter 11. Verse 2, to be more specific, the seven spirits of God are this. The first one is called the Spirit of the Lord. Perhaps that's the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But it's the Spirit of the Lord. I think it is the Holy Spirit. Because what is the Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit, the Holy, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. I think that's it. The, the, the first one is the Holy the Spirit of the Lord. That, and it says here, the, Holy, or the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Jesus or him. Now, this is Isaiah speaking, prophesying this about the coming of Jesus and what he's going to do. And then he says, so, it's going to, so remember, Jesus was baptized, and he came up, and a voice from heaven said, this is my Father, I'm well, pre, well pleased. And the, and, a, and the Holy Spirit descended in the shape of a dove and rested upon him. So this is where it says, Will, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. I think this is the Holy Ghost, the one that gives the power and, the, and the, the salvation, okay? The Spirit of wisdom. When you have God and you have this Spirit of the Lord, if you have the Holy Ghost, you have spiritual wisdom. Matter of fact, that's one of the gifts, the gift of wisdom and, under, and the Spirit of understanding. I believe this pertains to the understanding of God's heart, his mind, and his will. Because we try to understand why God does certain things, do we not? And his word. Can you imagine receiving these prophetic words and not knowing what it meant? I mean, people struggle understanding, you know, Daniel and Revelation. I have no problem understanding it. But there are many people who are confused. they got to read books about it to help them understand it. All thing I do is let the Spirit of the Lord begin to give you wisdom and understanding. If you had Jesus, and you had this measure Jesus that brings the wisdom and understanding, you would understand God's Word. It's that simple. Now, there was a time in my life, I, was, I, I thought I was born again. I'd read the Bible, and there are things I just did not get. What does this mean? I, I don't get it in my spirit. My spirit was too immature to, to comprehend. It's like a child trying to get a, get a kindergarten to do algebra. They don't have the, the wisdom to do it. They don't have the knowledge to do it. They don't have the understanding to do that. So the next spirit is the spirit of counsel, the spirit of counsel. I believe this is... Using that wisdom and understanding of God's word is his will and his intent and his heart, his mind, and sharing it with people to bring people to God, to bring them to the, to the, the ability to accept God, the invisible God, that they cannot see. So it's like me trying to explain to you how the wind works that you can't see, but yet you see the effects of wind. You see the wind blowing. You see the grass blowing. You can feel it against your skin, and, and you can hear it, but you can't see it. So try to explain God and Jesus Christ in which no one can see that they have to believe by faith, which you get wisdom, understanding, and the ability to communicate that give people this instruction on how to believe. How about that? Then the spirit of might. Here's that power. What is might? It's power. The strength, the ability to do 
great things for the kingdom of God. So you may be able to share the gospel and have this understanding of Jesus Christ and salvation and the plan, but if there's no power, if there's no anointing behind it, this is going to go in one ear and out the other. Try to explain salvation in Jesus Christ to a Muslim who practices Islam, a Hindu, and a Buddhist, and see how far it gets you. You cannot do it through intellect. You have to have the Holy Ghost to do it with signs and wonders following. That's why it's easy for me to lead, lead these people to Christ, because there's signs and wonders following. They see it and they believe it. And I tell them there's an invisible God, and we have to believe by faith, by believing in his son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, and they're like hearing this story. And you know what? If you tell the story right, it, it, they, they get excited about it because it, it's an interesting thing, but you've got to have that wisdom to communicate. You have to have the understanding of salvation to speak it, to give the counsel to someone to how to receive it and, and so that they can have the wisdom and the understanding. But you've got to also have the might, the power that would seals the deal, if you will. The power is what seals the deal for them to come to Christ. If they, if they say, okay, I'm, I want to feel this, I want to receive this Holy Spirit, and if they get it and they feel it with inside their spirit, the transformation occurring, that's a, and, it, and it affects everybody, I'm telling you. Here's another spirit, the spirit of knowledge. Look, knowledge of man is nothing, but the knowledge of God is something. You, can, you, you don't have to have the knowledge of man, but if you have the, the knowledge of God and you talk to people who don't have the knowledge of God and they may be intellectually advanced with all kinds of degrees and certifications and, and education, you've got something they don't have. Because guess what? You got everything. You got the spirit of the Lord. You got the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the ability to communicate because you have the understanding and, and wisdom and the power because you have knowledge. Let me tell you about this God. How do you know that? Because he lives inside of me and I have his word to validate it. And, and then what happens after that? The fear of God. You cannot do any of this unless you fear God. If you do it in yourself, in your own ability, you will probably fail. You might have some results, but not to the point of with the power of God, all right, to be able to share knowledge with people of God, you know, about God, for them to receive the spirit of the Lord. The fear of God coming in with with. You know, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you don't fear God, then you don't have God, period. If, you're, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you're sinning, you're, you're getting drunk, you're fornicating, adultery, lying, stealing, cheating, whatever, anything that's unethical or immoral, you don't have to fear the Lord, period. You don't have God. You can't sin and have God at the same time. You cannot sin and know God at the same time. 
And that's why it's important that we take it one step further and we have to forgive others and love others. Because that's a form of righteousness. That's how people know that you know God. Because you're able to forgive other people and you're able to love people unconditionally like you love God. Love yourself more. Put people first before you. Consider them first. Always take the second or third option. Let people go before you. Give it up. The acts of kindness. The Spirit of the Lord is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. It's this one of the same. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost, like these things we just mentioned here. Wisdom, that's a gift. Knowledge, that's a gift. Is it not? And the power. The power would be like the power to do miracles, the power to, to do healing, and the power to interpret tongues. How do you think they're able to do that unless they have the power of God upon them to interpret tongues? Isn't that something? So let's not mix up the power component with the Holy Spirit of salvation. Let's look at Matthew 3, verses 11. I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Like, repent of your sins because this blood sacrifice thing is not working. It's become a religion, and it has no power in it anymore. God's not in it. Why? Because when they built that temple, guess what happened? The fire did not come from heaven and light that altar like it did the other times. In the tabernacle, the fire of God came down and lit the brazen altar. And when they built the temple under Solomon, the fire of God came down and lit that brazen altar. But this one, there's no fire, no, no power, no anointing in it. So here they are doing, doing the things of God with no anointing, with no blessing, with no covering, with no power. The sins, I don't think, were really being forgiven because there was no power. So Jesus is bringing this new, this new way of baptism. Die to your sins. Stop doing it. And be born again coming up out of the water, water that covers you. And washes away all your sins and be born of the Spirit right? with the scriptures we talked about. I hope you're understanding this. I hope you're getting this. So here's John the Baptist saying, Indeed, I baptize you with water into repentance. But he who is coming after me, that's he's referring to Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I would say it's better to have the Holy Ghost and fire than have the baptism of water. Because when Jesus came, overdid the baptism of John. Now, his disciples baptized in the Jordan. They were doing it because it was Jesus wanted people to repent. But when he died... And he became that curse upon the tree. His blood is like in water, the blood and water, is what covers the sins so that you may be 
born again. So it's important to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Now, I'm not against baptism with water. I think it's significant. It shows that your, your true effort serving God and your commitment to him. Do it if you want to. Do it. I encourage you. Don't, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm just saying that it doesn't lead to salvation. Okay? And you know what? And I've seen some very beautiful baptism services where people, you know, come up speaking in tongues. They get the Holy Ghost when they come up. I've seen people so full of God, and they didn't speak in tongues, but they, they were, there was such a power on them. They got the Holy Ghost too. They didn't speak in tongues, but it, when they spoke, people began to break because they had that power. And I believe people can be baptized in water and come up filled with the Holy Ghost, just as Jesus. He went down and came up, and the Holy Ghost came and rested upon him, right? So I'd say do it. I'm not against it, but I, I'm just trying to help people understand the difference. That's all. Okay. Amen. Hope we're clear on that. Verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here's the. They were in that room waiting. Remember the upper room. Then all of a sudden they heard this sound from heaven. This great wind came in and started to blow. And then this fire began to flame upon their head or dance around on their head, and it was split in two like. It was one flame, but split at the top and, you know, burning upon their heads. And they were filled with this, they said, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak in other tongues. With this, as the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, gave them the words or the utterances. Now let's look at Mark 16, verse 17, real quick. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Okay, if you believe in my name, I believe Jesus is saying if you believe and you're you know, filled with this Holy Ghost, in my name you shall cast out devils. Most pastors, most Christians run from this. They have no power. You get it? They shall speak with new tongues. How can you just accept Christ and repent of your sins and all of a sudden speaking this new tongue without the Holy Ghost. And I believe that you need this Holy Ghost to do these works as well. The disciples were able to do it because he commissioned them to go out and do it when he was with them. He was their covering, in my opinion. That's why there were only 12. And he was the head of that, right? And he, he commanded them to go, and he sent out the 70. He sent out the 70. He said, go and do this. Send them two by two, right? Then he sent them out with no, with no food, no no extra turban, no extra sandals, no clothes, whatever, no money bag. He sent them out, and he said, prepare the way. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and, and when you walk in their house, peace be with you. That means Jesus be with you. And if they receive it, go in and dine with them, enjoy your fellowship, and then leave when it's time. But if they say, who are you, what are you, what are you talking about, get out of here, then just dust that stuff off because it's worse for them than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah, than for that city. That's from Jesus. How can you be any worse than Sodom and Gomorrah being burned up? The city being burned up. Actually, there was three cities. And that was, that's a lot. Anyway, new tongues. 
So when you believe and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can do these things because you have the power. And one of the proofs that you have this power is that you can speak in tongues, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit. So if you know people who can speak in, in the Holy Ghost, speak in the heavenly languages, some people call it, they can probably do these things. If they had an opportunity to do it, I bet they could do it. But those who are not can't. Or probably have difficulty doing it. Amen. And they were, and they were, okay, verse 5. So, okay, they, they just were filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So in this city, which was a, an international uh, hub, if you will, of people coming and going, it was a place of commerce going from Africa to Egypt to up north to Syria and to Macedonia and Turkey and, and south into the Arabias. It was like the meeting place or like, you know, the crossroads of the international freeway. Okay. So in this, in this area of Jerusalem, there were other Jews, very devout in their faith. Okay. And they were from every language. That means that they were from they were Jews, but living in a, a foreign land. They were devout Jews. They loved God, but they, were in, they were, had come in and stayed at this probably to do business and do commerce or, or visit family or whatever it was from every nation under heaven of that, I think, that known time. In verse 6, and when this sound occurred, so they heard the sound from heaven too. I don't think it was just them speaking in tongues. I think they heard this sound that was coming from heaven, like they talked about, and went into that place. And maybe they were able to see the effects of the wind, perhaps. So they heard it, and I think possibly they saw the effects of the wind going into that upper room. So when, they, so when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, I didn't see what was going on, and were confused. Well, what's going on? That's confusion, right? Well, trying to figure it out. You don't know what's happening. Because everyone heard them speaking in their own language. So this wind occurred, they came together, and then they heard them speaking in this language. And they were speaking in their native tongue. Now, I believe this. This is how I interpret this. I'm not saying I'm right, but just, just take this position for just a moment. They were speaking in tongues, but the miracle, the gift of miracle, is that they were able to understand it. See? So they were speaking in this un, unknown language, but the, so there was actually, I think it was actually two miracles occurring. I don't think it was just one that they were speaking in that actual language. I think they were speaking in tongues. No one understands it. It's a heavenly language. But yet the miracle was that they were able to interpret it or hear it. Now, there is a gift of, a, of interpretation of tongues. But I, I don't think this is what's happening here. I, I believe that the miracle was they were able to hear it. And my question to you is, You know, what what were they hearing? What do you think they were saying to them? What do you think the Holy Spirit was speaking to them about? I believe that the Holy Spirit was ministering to them. They were hearing from God because of this great power occurring as they were speaking in tongues. And the Holy Spirit began to condition their heart 
to receive the message. Verse 7, then they were all amazed and marveled. Wow, what's happening here? I don't think it was fear. It was like, wow, check this out. It's amazing. This is like saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How do they know our language? They're like, we can tell they're from Galilee. They're not, from, they're not like from the tribe of, of Judah or Benjamin or the Levites that were in Jerusalem. They were outside of, uh, to another tribal area. They were from Galilee. They were just, just fishermen, right? Most of them are tax collectors. They were from that area. You know, they probably had a different accent, like, like people from the south. I mean, people from East Tennessee sound a little different from the people from West Tennessee and definitely Nashville. People from Alabama don't sound like the people from Texas. They're Southerners. They have that Southern accent, but those who are from the South can actually tell the difference. Did you know that? Because I've trained my ear to tell, I can tell where most people are from. And then they say, well, I'm from Florida or something. You're not from Florida. You don't have an accent. You're from like New York or New Jersey somewhere, aren't you? Oh, yeah, how'd you know? (laughs) Because you don't talk like us. That's why you don't talk like you're from the South. So anyway, that's, that's how they were to know. I think it was something different in that they, either the way they were dressed or the way their accents or enunciations occurred. So I wonder what they heard when they heard them speaking. I wonder if they were being convicted by the Holy Spirit. I was wondering if the Spirit was drawing them near to God. Don't we all long to get near to God? If you're complacent and satisfied where you are, you're dead. And chances are you probably have sin in your life. But if you're continuously seeking God and drawing near to God, you get somehow you get more of Him and you become you start getting more understanding and more like Him and getting more righteousness in your life, not religion, righteousness, you know, like more love, more forgiveness, more understanding of God's purpose, of his word and everything. So let's look at Mark 6, verse 44. No one can come to me, no one can come to God, unless the Father who sent me draws him. So I'm sorry, I said that wrong. So no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent them draws him. God has to draw people to Christ, and I will raise him up in the last day. So I'll raise that person up. If, if God draws them and they believe, I'll, draw, I'll raise them up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. See, that's another thing. This Bible is awesome, and it helps in all of our spiritual growth, but it's when we Come under the shadow of the Most High God. When we abide, when we live under the shadow of the Most High God, there's a lot of things that happen. We get taught by the Spirit. The, our heart continues to be transformed and new revelations of God. We come under great convictions and we things are revealed to us by the Spirit. We're taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Spirit, it was the Spirit teaching them things of God so that they can come to Christ. 
whatever they were speaking in tongues with such power, with such an anointing, I would say, anointing and power, I think, are, are one and the same in this instance, that they were able to understand and the Spirit was able to draw them to Christ. So it was the power of the Holy Ghost upon those folks in the upper room who were baptized in the Holy Ghost, operating in the gifts of tongues, and and I like to think miracles, that was used to draw the many people to Jesus Christ for salvation. For salvation. Verse 8. And how is it that we hear, so here's these people, these devout men, they were Jews from every nation, How is it that we hear everything in our own tongue from where we were born? How is it we understand you? Oh, boy. And and so, um, you know, they're saying there's Parthians, there's Medes, there's Elamites that dwell in Macedonia, Judeans, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia. Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining uh, Syria, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Apostolites. Apostolites are Gentiles who converted to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Wonderful works of God. That's why I think it was a miracle along with the tongues. Wonderful works of God. They recognize that this is of God. Even though they didn't understand it, they were confused, but then they were amazed at what was happening because they were able to hear this. They know that they were speaking in this unknown tongue, and they're, they're Jews, and they have their own Jewish language, but yet we were able to understand them in our native tongue from the nations in which we were born. Wow, this is, a, this is of God. Who else can do that? Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what, what can this mean? What is all this about? What's the purpose of this? Why is this happening? 1 Corinthians 1 Verse 26 says this, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many nobles are called. So here's Paul saying that, look, if you're intellectually up there and you're of noble descent, you know, politicians or kings or of royalty, a high position, and if you are, have great legal power at your ability through organizations and things like that, you're not called of God. You're called to do things of man. But God has chosen the foolish things. Here's the thing. <laughs> he chooses the ridiculous things, the foolish things of the world to put shame to wise. So here are these men from all around the world who were probably uh, wealthy because they had the, the means and the ability to travel and stay in Jerusalem, conduct commerce of various kinds and types. 
They were sophisticated in the fact that they knew that these people were just Galileans, maybe unlearned people, maybe country boys, if you will. Some people from the north think that we're kind of like not very smart down in the south because of the way we talk. So probably it was something like that. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things, of course, the things that have no power of the world to put shame to the things that are mighty. See, if these great things were coming from these great people, they would be great, greater. They would like, wow, you know, you end up worshiping them. And a lot of times they get worshiped anyway based on their position and title and who they are in the world. But you take these nobodies in which no one's ever heard of who don't impress anybody, that don't impress the wise, but yet God's power is used to confuse them to show that it's of God and not of man. Isn't that awesome? So this is why this occurred. This is why God's going to raise up nobodies in the last days to do great works for him. It won't be these mega churches, I don't think. Maybe it will. But I see these men and women of God that no one's ever heard of coming out of obscurity and doing great things. And I say, who is that person? Where are they from? You know, a lot of times I can't, no, people won't have me do training because they have not heard of me. Who's this guy? Where is he from? What denomination is he with? Where did he go to school? I have people say, send me, send me your diplomas to show that you've actually attended or got some certificates. I'm not, forget it. I'm not going to work with you. I mean, I've got them, but if this is what it takes, it's not, it's not of God. It's, it's, it's not going to work. I'm wasting my time. That's right. And I understand that they're, you know, that they want to test and try. You got to have some kind of credibility. But it happened to Jesus too. When he got up there and did these things, what? This can't be right. You're Joseph's son. You're from Galilee. Yeah, wait, you're just a carpenter. How can you be doing these things in the temple? How, why should we believe you? You're nobody. What gives you the right to do and say these things? Happened to Jesus. Even in his own town that <laughs> can't even only heal a few sick because of their unbelief, because they knew who he was. He was coming from a maybe very basic lifestyle and very basic income. He was humble, right? Same thing. I deal with it <laughs> as well. But anyway, this is what's so beautiful. God takes, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he can take you, who is a nobody, who's not a pastor, not a district overseer, not uh, charge of a ministry in a mega church or a mega church ministry and use you in a great and mighty way when you're filled with the Holy Ghost so that you can be God's warrior, warring vessel for him. Amen. Let's continue here in verse 28. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. That needs a comma there, and which, is, which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not 
to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Look, it's easy for those people who have all those things to you say, oh, well, that's because they had this, it's where they live and where they come from, because they have money and they have this privilege and that and that and this. Now they're going to take, they're going to take, God wants to take this up so that no man can get the glory for it, that there'd be no way that you can do it because it's of God. This is why God does things in our weaknesses. That's why when we say, God, man, I, I can't do this, but he does it anyway. You know how many times I've been struggling in my mind, struggling with battles of the mind, with temptations and with things that were just cluttering my mind, and I felt so unprepared, so ungodly and unspiritual and unrighteous. I can't do this, Lord. I'm not spiritually ready for this. How? You need to pick somebody else who's been in prayer and fasting and he does, uses me anyway because he, he gets glory out of doing things out of my weakness so that he's strong. To show me that he's strong so I trust him rather than myself. And I almost feel like the Lord allows it. He allows me to get bombarded with things of, you know, the wicked one, things from spiritual warfare coming against me. So that I'm not prepared and not capable to deliver an anointing message. So that it is anointed because he comes into my weakness. And and he is strong in my weakness. I know that's happened to some of you listening. But it can also happen to any of you who are going to work in the Holy Ghost. But of him who are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is, it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Everything that we do that, that looks good, appears good, that, that sounds good, that, that does something good, it's God. God enabled me. He blessed me to do this. He gave me this gift of being an athlete, or he gave me the gift of, of, of accounting, or he gave me the gift of, of pottery or, or art. He gave me the gift of music and, and writing. He gave me the gift of being a business person and, and knowing how to make money. That's nice. You can make some money, right? Or he gets me with these things. But see, God allowed it. God gave it to you. Let him get the glory from it. Look, it's not me, it's God. He's enabled me to do this. See, these people knew that this was some type of event or movement of God. How many times have we seen a movement of God? Because they said, the mighty works of God. That's what they said. These are the mighty works of God. Haven't you ever seen a, a, a well, maybe you haven't seen, but there's been movements of God. And people say, that's of God. And they get in there and they try to duplicate it. They try to make it live. But guess what? God wants to move us on to something new. 
That's old to him. Let's go on to something new. That's why these movements don't last long. They don't need to last long because there's something new of God in which he wants to give us. Let's get out of the past and move forward to something new. Let's stop trying to get God in this way of religion. That's why he did away with it, so that we can come into him and have something new daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, that he gives us a new word and mission for the year, week, or whatever. But each day we depend on him for that movement. God moved in this incident. God moved and saved this person from this. God did this and God did that. That's the power of our testimony. That's how people end up believing because they start seeing the movement of God in our lives and everything. They could not understand what was happening. They couldn't understand the why, how, the what. They couldn't understand the purpose behind all that. The ears and hearts were now ready to believe Jesus is the Son of God and receive the Holy Spirit unto salvation. They were ready because they saw a movement of God because these people were filled with the Holy Ghost. They experienced a miracle. They were part of the miracle. Were they not? This is why I love doing miracles on people who don't believe because God moves and because they're part of that miracle, then their heart's ready to receive God. How many times have I talked about that? But guess what? In verse 13, it says this. Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. I guess they were full of new wine. People think they were drunk, but they just had a new wine of Jesus. They just became a new vessel. But they were referring to drunkenness, but yet, but they were drunk in the spirit of God. Yes, they, that's a true statement. They were drunk on the new wine of God. The Holy Spirit came and immersed them and filled their cups, filled their vessel full of that new wine of the spirit. It's true. And they probably came across a little, you know, drunk or high or silly or smiley face looking like, you know, ridiculous. But verse 14 says this. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. For these Referring to the leaven, the leaven disciples and the people of the upper room. These are not drunk, as you say or suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, perhaps. But they were on the new wine, absolutely. But this is what was spoken to the prophet Joel. This is so important. And I want to say this. If you want to call in, now's the time to call in because we only have about 30 minutes. I'm going to continue as much as this as I can, because this is so good. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. This is God speaking to Joel. This is what's going to happen in the last days. Now, the, the disciples consider themselves in the last days. Okay? Now, we know that they're not in the last days. We have a new last day. Okay? That I will pour out of my spirit, this is God saying, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. I would love to have dreams, and I love having visions. I've had some visions. And my men servants and my maidservants 
will I will pour out of my spirit on those. So they're actually going to do the slaves too. And they shall prophesy. Can you imagine having a servant and say, come here, prophetess servant. Come prophesy. What does God have planned for me? Well, his perfect will is for you to be born again, that you shall be saved. His will is for you to be saved. Are you ready to repent? That's his will. That's the perfect will of God, that we be saved. Just so you know. It is my belief that we experience in the Holy Ghost today, our experience in the Holy Ghost today is a, a small sample of things to come in the last days. And I think what they experience is a small example of what's going to happen in the things to come in the last three years before Jesus comes. The last day move of God will be much greater than this event on the day of Pentecost. I think that was just a sample of what has happened. Just as Everything has been a, an example, a type and shadow, and each time it's, it's more manifested, more manifested, more manifested. We're going to see the greatest manifestation of God on this earth during the last days in this, by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. And the reason it's going to be so great is because it's going to be even persecution. And then great will be the harvest as a result of the great persecution ever known in the time of the earth. Now, I think this was a great move of God. Absolutely. There were many people. I mean, the, the world began to change into Christianity. But we're going to see like never known before. They were being baptized in the Holy Ghost in preparation of the last days. It's very important. My friends, it's very important. You get baptized by the Holy Ghost with fire and power in order to survive the last days, in order to do what God needs you to do in the last days. You may not survive, but at least you can be used of God in a mighty way. To win souls, that's what it boils down to, winning souls. It's not about your survival, but it's about surviving long enough to win people to God, to win the lost. The fulfillment of God because of the power to do great things to win the lost. That's what it's all about. The harvest, working, and the labor is going to be few. I don't understand that, but God doesn't need a whole bunch. He didn't need a lot from Gideon, did he? So Jesus did not start his ministry until the Holy Ghost came upon him. Luke 3, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Spirit descended upon in a body form like a dove unto him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. See? The baptism of water was a sign or example or a symbol of things to come of the day of Pentecost. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus and the Holy Ghost by baptizing with water as an example of the Holy Ghost com coming and baptizing with power and fire. Luke 3.16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandals, straps, I'm not worthy to loose or to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Big difference. I will show wonders, or verse 19 in Acts, verse 19. 
I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. So this is Peter speaking, and he's, he's quoting Joel still. He's saying, God, God is saying, I will. God is saying, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. That's last days. That's not right now. That's last day stuff. That's like right before Jesus comes. The sun shall turn into darkness before Jesus comes. The moon into blood before Jesus comes. Not, we're not talking about a blood moon like all these people are talking about. It'll turn because there's going to be a warfare in heaven. Up in the second heaven, there's going to be warfare. The first and, or the, the third and, well, let's say the first and second heaven, there's going to be warfare in the, in the, in the, in the powers and that's a result of the angels battling to making the way of the coming of, of Christ. The sun will turn to, into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. That's your sign. Has the sun turned dark yet? Well, Jesus isn't coming yet. It's not until the sun goes dark and the moon gets like blood. That's your sign that Jesus is coming. So forget the blood moons. Look for the sun to turn dark. Amen. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In those days, it's going to be so terrible. People will be calling, oh, God, save me. Save me. And they'll be saved. Now, if you want to call in, you need to call in because I'm going to keep going. Unless you call in. I love Matthew 24, and I'm going to take Matthew 24, and it's a lot of preference in this reading, but I want to show you what Jesus says in his coming. Matthew 24, verse 4, and it goes a long way. We go all the way down. And Jesus answered and said to them, listen that no one deceives you. Listen to me so no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and, and will deceive many people. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled by that. For all these things must come to pass, must happen. But the end is not yet. So stop worrying about Jesus coming if, if Israel's in a war. Forget about it. The sun has to get dark first. Wait till the sun gets dark. Then he's coming. And there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, various places, and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's not even the times of sorrows. This is the beginning. It's not even the sorrowful time yet. It resembles the seals, does it not? The various seals that take place, the four, first four seals. Okay. Continuing verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. They're going to they're gonna take you to tribulation and kill you. <laughs> That's pretty blunt. They're going, to, they're going to make your life miserable, and they're going to kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. They're going to kill you because they hate you because you love Jesus. And they, and, excuse me, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Remember that? Your brothers and sisters, your family is going to turn you over. That's why you've got to forsake them. You've got to love God more than them. And because... Lawlessness will abound. That's one of the seals. I think that's the first seal. 
It's going to be so great. There's going to be complete chaos in the world. People are not going to abide by the laws, and they're going to kill Christians. Even though the laws are on the books, they're still going to do it. Didn't Congress just pass this, this resolution not to have hate? Well, it was really to protect the Muslims, the Islamists. But I guarantee you the Islamists will do everything they can to destroy a Jew and a Christian. I guarantee it. And look, they speak open hate, and they don't do anything about it. Same on us, our leaders. We need to move them out of office, vote against them, get them out, get people who will do the righteous thing. Verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That means that people are going to fall out of love with one another. Because of this lawlessness, that there's going to be divisions, that, you know, there's going to be racial problems, there's going to be ethnicity problems, there's going to be sovereignty problems among nations, there's going to be uh, problems with international waters and international airspace, there's going to be, they're going to hate one another as a result of all this lawlessness. It's going to be chaotic. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel to the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Here we go. Preach to all the world as a witness of Jesus Christ to all the nations, and then the end will come. Well, we definitely haven't seen world chaos. Have we not? Haven't seen that. I don't think the world's in complete, utter chaos yet. It's about there. It's getting there. Therefore, when you see the abomination desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, speaking about being in the temple, whoever reads, let him understand. Verse 14, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Judea is like Jerusalem. All right, the, 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 so Jerusalem is, is the place, the, the city within a city. Okay, it's the place of the temple, and the, like the priests would live there, and then Judea, Jerusalem was in Judea. It's like there was, it was the capital of Israel, but it was the financial center, if you will, or the religious center of, of Judea or, or Israel. And Judea was the state that held it or the tribe that held it. Okay. Let him who is on the housetops go, uh, uh, not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field, not go back and get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Now here's a commandment. And pray. This is Jesus speaking to us on how to pray. And pray that your flight, your escape, may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. I don't know why he said the Sabbath, but the winter makes sense to me. I think the Sabbath is because um, you don't want to break uh, the law, if you will, so, you know, if they, they could be punished if they sinned on the Sabbath or did things that weren't supposed to on the Sabbath, so breaking the law. So make sure that it's not in the winter and, and then a place where you have to break the law. That's how I put it. Continuing verse 21, and then there will be great tribulation. So all that other stuff was the beginning of sorrows. 
And once all that happens, when, once the, the false prophet stands up into the most holy place, declares himself God, that's the beginning of tribulation. Okay, that's, this is the beginning. So for then, there will be great tribulation, such as not been since or beginning of the world for, until the time, no, nor even shall be to come in the future. And unless those days were shortened, unless Jesus said, unless I don't shorten those days, no one, no flesh would be saved but for the, but for the elect, but for the purpose of my people and my chosen ones, those days will be shortened so that they will end up living and they won't all be killed. And pray that your flight, your escape may not be in winter or so. Okay, I already said that. Then if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ. And there, do not believe it. Don't go chasing after these people who declaring themselves. Because, see, they're going to say, oh, this is the end days. This is the time, and I'm the Christ. I've come now to save the world. No, 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 because the sun hasn't turned dark yet. See, I've told you beforehand. See, remember this because I've told you ahead of time about what's going to happen. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert. Look, he's over there preaching and teaching. We've got to go see the Messiah. Do not go out. Or look, he is in the, or go, if they say he's in the interim, he's in, he's in that building, he's inside there, we need to go. Do not believe it, the scripture says. For as the lightning, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also is the coming of the Son of Man. And that's how it will be. For wherever the carcasses are, or is, the carcasses will be the, the, the dead in which Christ will destroy, there the eagles will be gathered together. Who's the eagles? It could be us. It could be the angels. It could be uh, the, the army of God, if you will, um, because when, when he comes and strikes the West, he's going to like, he's going to destroy all the witness. And wherever the dead things are, that's where the eagles will be gathered. The eagles, the fighting, the fighting forces of Christ. Verse 29, immediately. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. So the tribulation will end. It will end when Jesus comes. All right. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will not, will, shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man. Here we go. This is right before Jesus comes. What's going to happen? Immediately after the tribulation. Now, perhaps the end of the tribulation is when they think they killed all the Christians and they say, we got peace, we got peace, we got rid of all those Christians. That may be what it is. Because when they declare peace, watch out. Okay? It's the coming of the Lord. There's scripture that says that. So perhaps the end of the tribulation is when they declare peace. And so immediately after the tribulation, in those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven. So those, three, those are three signs. And the powers of heaven will be shaken. And I think it's shaken because of the warfare that's happening to make the way for Jesus Christ. The, the things in the atmosphere, the spiritual things in the atmosphere. Then, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. So here it is. So those are your last three signs. The sun, the moon, and the stars. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They're going to say, oh, no. 
I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to come. I shouldn't have taken that mark of the beast. Oh, no. I'm mourning because I know my end has come. I'm going to have to face this Jesus Christ. So, and, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see, they're going to see the Son of Man coming on a cloud of heaven with what? Power and great glory. <laughs> they're going to have the fear of God is what's going to happen. That's why they're mourning. They're mourning, the, they're mourning because the fear of God's getting ready to hit them. And he shall send his angels with great sound in the trumpet, and he will gather together his elect. From the four winds. Now, I think that's what part of the eagles are. So Jesus comes and annihilates them, and he gathers up his people from one end of heaven to the other. Wow. So you see, it will be the elect who will fill, who, who, who are filled with the Holy Ghost, with the great power to endure until the end. We should pray this. This is Luke 21, verse 36. Watch. Therefore, and pray always. So watch and pray always. Those are the two commandments. That you may be found accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. This is Jesus telling us we should pray these things. We're to be praying this. Watching and praying always that we are accounted worthy to escape. Lord, help me to escape. Give me the ability to escape these things and stand before you. Stand before Jesus on earth when he returns and defeats Satan or, or up in heaven in the atmosphere. You know, what a great thing to join with Jesus and stand before him. Or, or can you imagine after the battle and you're still on earth, and he comes down and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You endured until the end. You endured all this tribulation. You trusted me and survived and you know, whatever. I used, you know, whatever he's going to say. Daniel 12, verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination desolation is set up, there shall be no, there, there shall be 1,290 days. That's three and a half years, my friends. So when, 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 the, when the false prophet stands up in the temple there's going, to be a, there's going to be three years of this tribulation that they're talking about. These are the tribulations. This is the time of sorrows. Blessed is he, blessed is he who waits and comes to 1,335 days. It's a different number. Why is that? I think because you're going to see God's bowls of wrath poured out on the wicked. So that's still three and a half years. So we only have about 10 minutes left. This was a powerful message, and I wish we had more time. I really do. Because, look, in order to endure to the end, you're going to have to have the Holy Ghost. Salvation isn't going to be good enough. You're going to need the power and the might of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the ability of counsel and the fear of God and might. You have to have the Spirit of the Lord upon you, filled with the Holy Ghost, to do these do miracles, to win the, the harvest, to build up the body of Christ, to build up the church. 
And if you want that, first of all, you have to be what we call saved. You have to be born again. You have to believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's all you got to do is believe. You don't really have to say anything. You just have to believe in your heart. Well, Lord, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And forgive me my sins, Lord, for I want to be born again. I don't understand it. But let the transformation occur in my heart that my spirit may live. That's all you got to say. And receive it. And the Holy Spirit will, will save you. Whoever calls out, my name shall be saved. You'll be saved. And that's it. But that's not good enough. That's not enough. I mean, that's enough to, to get in. But what you want is you want the power of the Holy Ghost upon you. And you can receive that too. But first, get all the unforgiveness out of your heart. Let's get all the unforgiveness. You got to start thinking about people you can't stand. You got to pray for them. And you got to get that unforgiveness out. And then go after the Holy Ghost. Let's get your heart right so that you can endure your salvation. You can continue within your salvation. Get the sin out and the unforgiveness and endure into salvation, have salvation everlasting, but then get into the baptism of the power and fire that gives you the ability to win the lost. It gives you the ability to do great miracles. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word. I glorify you. And Lord, made it touch many people. They listen live and receive it in the archives, Lord. That you would open their understanding to your purpose, your heart, your will. Lord, that you would bring in a harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, my friends, I only have about eight minutes left, and I'm going to open up the microphone if anybody has anything to say. Anybody out there? It's a great message. Great message tonight, Colonel, as usual. Deanna, Deanna says the, somebody's trying to call in on Skype. Uh, have you heard from them, uh, Deanna? Are they, are they able to uh, get in? Uh, yes, he tried the Skype link. Um, they made him confirm an account on Skype and get a get an email to make it work. And then when he called Blog Talk, it just rang. It didn't pick up. So Blog Talk should pick up that phone call automatically. Well, let's make sure he has the number correct. 602-753-1977. And if you'll press one, I don't know why you had to have an account, but um, I want to say hello to a few people. Uh, Doug, it's so great to see you. Thanks for praying for us. Tanya from uh, God bless you too in Jamaica and, and our, our Anna Paula de Sa, uh, our Brazilian friend. Nice to have you. And Miss Claudia, Brenda, Aaron, Dave from Canada. And Chuck was there too. All right, good to see you guys on on Facebook. And let me see if I can get over here and see what's happening in MixLR. Well, we still have a lot. We have Faye and Daniel from New York, Jesus Gangsta, uh, the Blue Green Cat, and Claudia Noonhaus, if I say that right, Greg DG, and Rowdy. Nice to have all you with us on Witness Project. And I know there's people on Periscope. I know there's people on, on 
on uh, Twitch. There's people on YouTube and many other platforms that I can't keep up with. I can't watch them all, but we have our regulars that come on these r- platforms mostly. So it's nice to having you. And thank you all the followers on Twitch that just keep following me. I, I, I get more followers from Twitch than any place else. I think that and Twitter are probably my, my two fastest growing places of people who, who watch on Periscope and end up following me. So thank you those who, who listen this long and get to the end of it. I appreciate it. And don't forget, uh, download the free training manual. I mean, even if you don't, you know, like it, at least download it, uh, read it. Uh, you know, it's, it's free. It's just, it's just in a PDF and you can read it and share it with your friends. And also just uh, sign up on our website that, you know, at least we know that we have listeners out there and you just say, hey, I want to sign up for the uh, newsletter. We haven't sent one out in three months, at least, maybe four I just don't have time, and it's hard for me to do this. I wish someone else could do it for me. But uh, we don't send a lot out, but it's just good to know that, you know, you want to be part of this ministry. And, you know, if you feel led to give, give. You know, if this if this message is touching you, it doesn't – I mean, it just goes to keep Blog Talk Radio up and going. It goes toward um, – we – so let me say this. So uh, Pastor Rajiv in India, uh, we're going to – give him the ability to do the school of authority evangelism in three cities. I'm sorry, two cities. And he's going to be training and, and we're paying his airfare and his meals and hotel and things like that. So this ministry supports people doing the school of authority evangelism. But the thing is, it's a lot cheaper for me to send the native people rather than me going, because I require a lot more maintenance. I got to have a driver, got to have a translator, got to have a hotel or whatever. And all these, I got to eat. I got all these expenses. And plus, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable to, you know, mosquito bites and insect bites, uh, bacteria that my body may not be used to, and allergies and things, and other viruses that may be around, so, because I'm not from there. And so, it's, sometimes it's, I'm very, we, we as foreigners can be sensitive to uh, new areas, and so it's sometimes difficult to go these places. So we send, we train I know up. That and, it's, go ahead. I know that it's, I know that it's been, uh, it's been very financially costly for a lot of these trips. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for you being willing to go and, and uh, do that. But um, Pastor Colonel, I just want to pass on to you that Claudia, our uh, precious beloved sister in Brazil, Claudia, she has offered to translate the uh, authority and evangelism uh, PDF In into Portuguese, if you would yeah. like. I love that. Yes, uh, please do that. Uh, you know, it, just take your time in doing it. And then once it's translated, let me know and we'll add it as one of our translated versions of that. And it's, it's just approximately 33 pages or so. And then, Claudia, you're more than welcome to share it among the people you know that are uh, Portuguese of the Portuguese language, whether Portugal, the Azores, or any of the islands in which uh, Portugal may have territory over in Brazil. So we would love to love that. We would appreciate it. We'd love to have an opportunity to come to to Brazil and train. I know Pastor Lau has been there many times. Uh, and here's the thing. They, you know, Pastor Lau couldn't go everywhere. So they said, hey, we got this colonel guy who could come. And they said, no, we don't want him to come. We want you to come. So they don't, you know, 
We do the same thing, get the same results, but like I said, who is this guy? Uh, he's not of importance, you know, and they wouldn't. So they did without. They could have had me come to Brazil because of that, that prideful thing. He just didn't have the, you know, the, enough resources or the time to get to all those places. And I was willing to go, and they didn't want me to come. So imagine that. <laughs> They're missing out. They missed out big time. Yep. They sure are. Too bad for them. Too bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I do talk to people in churches and they say, oh, okay, that's nice. And they don't want it. <laughs> they don't want to be trained. They don't want to do miracles. They don't want to see people healed. They don't want to win people to Christ, especially people who don't know him because that's when they're going to do the miracles. And, you know, it's just the same old, same old. But there's going to be a move of God coming, a move of God. And yeah. all kinds of people are going to rise up, and they're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to be doing these things. Well, we don't, yeah, I was going to say we only have about a minute and a half left. And so I, I guess I'm done. And I'm going to try to be on Thursday. So we will do, I'm sorry, we will do prayer Thursday. And uh, if you want to, Help us pray. We would love it. We had international people helping us from Australia and Brazil. We love that. I was so thrilled to have that. And we have a nice time of just just prayer and seeking God. And it's if you like that, pray. Well, that's all I have. God bless you. May God's power be upon you. May you receive the power of the Holy Ghost with fire and power to do the great works that God has intended for you to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everybody. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to The Curdle. Coming to you live from the Prophet's Quarter Studio. With God, all things are possible. But we're strong in faith, giving glory to God. And what I pray for myself, I pray for our listeners as they hear. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Moment with the Colonel is a ministry of Seed Time Harvest Ministries. You can visit their website at SeedTimeHarvest.net for more information. I hope you'll listen tonight. And yet he's faithful. He's faithful. And ours is a work of faith. And I think I'll speak in a moment on living by faith. Again, that's SeedTimeHarvest.net. Thank you for listening. Listen, uh, Tranquility Base here. The angle has landed.